This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and managed to enjoy the super sunshine in Kent over the weekend. Coming up on today's podcast, we're going to hear from the hero mum who managed to save her son after he fell down a drain. The owner of an eco online store fears the cost of living crisis will see more of us buying cheaper plastic alternatives and we celebrate some of Kent's incredible teachers. But first today, a man's been arrested following a stabbing at a children's play area in Maidstone. Now, the victim, who's in his 20s, was flown to a London hospital after being attacked off Bickner Road in the Parkwood area of town just before 10 last night. Our reporter, Alan Smith, has been to the site of the attack for the podcast. A large area of the playground is taped off with police tape and there are five officers at various points around the perimeter guarding the scene. Although there's not actually any sign of any investigation going on at present. Mums have been passing the site with their children on the way to the Holy Family Roman Catholic Primary School which is just opposite. I spoke to a couple of people and they naturally said they were shocked at hearing what had occurred although some said they were not shocked that there had been yet another stabbing in Maidstone. Um, Shocked that it was close to home but Maidstone apparently has far too many stabbings. According to police reports, uh, they were called last night at around 10 o'clock to a man who had been stabbed multiple times. He was treated at the scene and then flown to a London hospital by air ambulance. Uh, A man was subsequently arrested and is currently in police custody. Now, if you head to Kent Online today, you can see pictures of the scene last night and as it was earlier on this morning. Police say the victim has now been discharged from hospital and we're told the man they're questioning is 57 and from the local area. They would also like to speak to anyone who saw what happened. And if you do have information, you're being urged to contact Kent Police on 01622 604 100. That's 01622 604 100. And the reference number for the incident is 22 hyphen one four four six that's twenty two hyphen one four four six you can also get in touch with crime stoppers anonymously on o eight hundred treble five treble one Kent online news Elsewhere today, a man's been arrested after a suspected drink driver fled the scene of a crash in Gravesend. No other vehicles were involved in the collision on Rochester Road near Abbey Road this morning, but police are questioning a man in his 30s. A dangerous driver who knocked down and seriously injured a man in Canterbury has been jailed for two and a half years. Jason Campbell was travelling along the 30-mile-per-hour Broadoak Road at more than double the speed limit when it happened in January last year. A court heard the victim was lucky to survive. The 52-year-old, who's from Vauxhall Avenue in the city, has also been banned from getting behind the wheel for more than three years. Now, a Kent mum has been described as a hero after saving her toddler when he fell into a manhole. At Kent Online, you can see the shocking video of the moment Amy Blythe jumped in after Theo and lifted him out after it happened on Beach Home Drive in Ashford. The 18-month-old was left covered in sewage, but luckily he wasn't hurt. Well, Amy's been 
speaking to the podcast about what happened. I was walking my little boy out the front of my mum's house um, to go to his dad's. We were walking out the front and saw a drain that looked a little bit loose, um, but not loose enough for him to fall through. We was walking, he turned around and ran towards the drain, stepped onto the drain and uh, fell completely through, around two metres. The drain lid flipped right on top of him, so I had to run, flip the drain lid off and jump into the drain hole. Uh, it was so deep I couldn't actually reach him at all. I had to put my feet either side of the concrete wall and try and bend my body because it was so tight, bend my body in ways I didn't even know they could bend to try and grab him. He was absolutely screaming my name. He was covered in sewage up to his knees. Um, I managed to get hold of one of his arms and sort of yank him up above my head just as I was yanking him I think it was like a sewage pipe it almost seemed like it was we coming squirting at us as I pulled him out um thankfully we timed it well and I managed to get him out before it went all over his head he did have like sewage in between his eyes um up his nose and a little bit in his mouth so we did have to go to the William Harvey hospital to get checked over I have had an x-ray and there's no broken bones thankfully um, he is slightly concussed, but he should be fine. Um, we were just very lucky. The drain, had, I think, had been broken for a few days because I'd seen it. It just looked a little bit raised, not actually like it, you was able to fall through it. So we're just, we're just so lucky that, you know, it could have been so different if he fell into head first. And I wasn't able to get it to him quick enough because the sewage was up to his knees and he's only 18 months. So you can imagine he's very small. It's claimed the drain cover may have been broken for a few days. Southern Water say they're investigating to see who's responsible. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. New data shows more than 9,000 asylum seekers have crossed the Channel to Kent so far this year. 234 people made the dangerous journey in five small boats yesterday. It's understood the government's controversial plan to send some of them to Rwanda won't come into force for at least another two weeks. A disaster relief charity has been called in to help lorry drivers who get stranded on the M20. Reactors carried out a missions in Ukraine and South Africa. Now they've been contracted to deal with disruption caused by Operation Brock. It follows concerns about lorry drivers being stuck without food, water or toilets when there are long delays crossing the channel. A week after a man was found guilty of murdering Kent PCSO Julia James, it's been revealed a friendship day is being planned to honour her memory. It's been set up by a woman in Cheshire, actually, who was so moved by what happened to the 53-year-old near Aylsham last April, she vowed to help. Well, events will be taking place across the country on the 2nd of July to raise money for the Rising Sun Domestic Violence and Abuse Charity in Canterbury, which Julia supported. And we're going to continue talking about domestic abuse because a new hub has been set up by Kent Police, which includes a video chat service for victims. It's the first of its kind by a police force in the country. Evidence recorded in those videos could be used in any future prosecution if indeed the abuser ends up in court. Well, Lucy Hickmott has been finding out more. She's been chatting to Deborah Cartwright, who's from the Oasis charity, and first Detective Chief Superintendent Samantha Price. 
the the technology um, what it does is it can automatically um, connect a caller into our force control room into an an officer that is waiting on standby virtually to be able to take the call immediately. Um, we're the first force in the country to use this technology and what it means is actually rather than putting the phone down and having to call a victim back or having a potentially delayed attendance we can actually patch that call directly into a victim immediately to be able to do some initial safeguarding and risk assessment and being able to um, being able to make sure that we can recover any evidence immediately and safeguard that victim. When I first read the press release, I was sort of, it piqued my interest, the, the video chat. I mean, I haven't heard of anything like that before. And you say you're the first force to be doing it. I mean, how great is that for, for victims who, who need the help? And, you know, what kind of research went into setting this up? An awful lot of research. We have invested over the last 18 months as a force um, with specialist uh, officers and um, police staff working alongside each other to be able to develop the technology and ensure it's fit for purpose for us. We have done um, taken over 500 calls with uh, live callers coming through to the control room and being able to assess and really uh, evaluate the outcomes. The victim satisfaction or the caller satisfaction has been impeccably positive um, with all of our uh, callers saying that they have been exceptionally impressed with the response they received. I just want to point out that this does not replace the uh, uh, physical attendance that our officers can can give. Um, it's it's an optional service and it's in addition to an officer's attendance. So, for example, if somebody called the police um, and required our attendance at a domestic incident, one of the first things our call handlers do is immediately risk assess that call and grade it in, in terms of its priority. Um, if it's an immediate call and our officers will attend immediately and that's absolutely nothing changes in that regard. Now this service is eligible for those that are less immediate or less uh, of a priority in terms of attendance and that then means that we're able to deliver a far quicker response to callers than we may have done had we have sent an officer uh, via appointment for example. So for that in itself, we have shown some significant improvements in terms of our ability to respond to victims' needs and in a timely way. We've also found that some of the callers have been incredibly uh, positive around the fact that um, it allows them to speak to police in a private way without uh, a marked police, off uh, police car outside their address, for example or police officers in uniform leaving their premises. I think it's um, a really interesting concept. It's really welcome to think um, that Kent Police are trying to think of innovative ways and proactive ways actually to support those that need help. I really like the, um, you know, the fact that they're looking at the primary thing on their list is to um, target those that offend in this way and these you know the criminals that that do these things to others it's a nice shift actually onto that accountability of the perpetrators of domestic abuse in their thinking and their writing so we really welcome that I think we also welcome anything that allows for evidence gathering to be um, more robust and timely and also anything that means that that golden hour, that time when that incident has happened, that someone gets access to support and service very quickly, makes them more likely to engage and assist with risk management. 
And from your experience working with victims, what is it like for them when they pick up the phone and call police? I mean, it must be, you know, they must have so many emotions going on. Do you think this video <laughs> chat service is, is going to really, you know, make it easier for them? If it increases accessibility across the community, then that would be great. I mean, I don't know the detail of how it might do that um, and the reach it might have or the opportunity people might feel to use it that isn't there previously in making a call. But the reality is when someone calls 999, they feel that that is what they absolutely need to do at that moment in time. And bearing in mind that calling the police can place you at more risk you know, we know that there's a tip of the iceberg. Those calls that go through to police are the tip of the iceberg in incidents. So we know that when someone does call the police, they really need that then and there. It could be part of their own safety planning. They know that this is out of control. They know that they are um, very much at risk. So the rapidity of the response and the the type of response that's received is absolutely crucial at that time. Yeah, and I know recently there was a report out a few weeks ago that raised some concerns about Kent Police and, and sort of the way they deal with domestic abuse cases, the investigation and, and the support for victims. Do you think this could help with that or do you think more still needs to be done to improve that service? We work and we live in really tight systems um, and we've had years of pressure through austerity and now the past two years with COVID. And I think the reality is that if an organisation is looking to develop its systems and to address the needs that it has in the community, then it can only be a good thing. Um, the reality is that there aren't enough resources in any of our services and we're always working above capacity. The police have a really difficult job to do. Um, and, you know, we need to we need to just get behind initiatives like this. Hopefully they will look at it really clearly and the evidence and what's coming out of it and determine whether it is a model that is really working for people. Kent Online reports. It's being claimed the Lower Thames Crossing will be the greenest road ever built in the UK. It's hoped the road tunnel linking the A2 near Gravesend with Tilbury and Essex will help reduce congestion at Dartford. Revised plans could see large areas of farmland being used to offset pollution. A consultation is currently underway. Elsewhere, there are plans to build more than 500 new homes in Rochester Town Centre. Around 150 flats are going to be added to the Riverside development. Another 300 and 74 properties will be created on the derelict Bardell Wharf site near Star Hill, which could also include student accommodation for Rochester Independent College. The owner of an eco-business in Dartford has told the Kent Online podcast she fears rising prices in shops will force more of us to be less environmentally friendly. Last week, we told you how inflation had reached a 40-year high of 9%. Well, many independent retailers are having to increase the cost of products to cover higher energy bills and manufacturing prices. Louise runs Potter and Hair Eco Living, which sells online and at local markets. She's already started to notice a difference. I'm in touch with a lot of small businesses and everyone is very worried. I'm worried, but I personally as yet haven't seen too much of a, a loss in sales, drop in sales. 
Uh, April was was a bit slow, but um, it's understandable. Usually the beginning of the year is is slow and then things ramp up as the year goes on. I have I'm just having a, a thought about it because um, I knew I was going to be chatting to you. And actually, probably the things like Ecotape, um, the more expensive side of the of the household items, perhaps, yes, actually have taken a bit of a hit. Um, now I've thought about it and at the markets as well that I that I go to. But the gift side, um, that's still pretty good and about the same as this time last year, I would say. But you did mention there that perhaps there are some signs that, that some of your products, um, obviously you're eco-friendly, some of those products which are a bit more pricier, those types of products tend to be, are potentially just slowing now. Is, is that your main fear that your products are now, there's going to be a bit of a domino effect potentially and your other products yeah. which perhaps sell better are also going to slow down now? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I sell some beautiful recyclable tape uh, you know, a gift wrap tape and things like that. But they're made in very small batches. They're made by UK small businesses. It's an expensive process with expensive natural, you know, base materials. And these tapes can be seven pounds. You know, nobody's going to pay that for a tape. Well, some people are, but when you can buy five plastic-based sticky tapes from the pound shop for a pound, you know, if money's tight, which ones are you going to go for? I can absolutely see that people won't have money and perhaps, although they'd like to buy the eco-friendly option, it just won't be plausible. And that is a worry, not just for me financially, but for eco-businesses and what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to get people to think about do, do you think that could potentially contribute to uh you know waste environmental waste uh, that, that that side people are going to be less eco-conscious because well they can't afford to be yeah definitely um and we saw that with the pandemic for different reasons everything had to be sterile everything had to be wrapped plastic is the obvious choice so that's taken us back quite a, a, a big step it was necessary you know, we understand that. So now this perhaps potentially is going to impact as well. Eco is more expensive because of natural products and smaller um, is not so mass produced. And people may not have the amount of money to make that choice. So, yes, yeah, sadly, I think it will have impact on it. Louise there was chatting to Ish and a recent survey shows consumer confidence has fallen to its lowest level in nearly 50 years. Kent Online reports. A large snake has been rescued from a fire in Tunbridge Wells. It's thought a heat pad in its enclosure caught a light on Hornbeam Avenue yesterday evening. The snake suffered minor burns and a man was also treated for the effects of breathing in smoke. A £75 million regeneration of Dartford Town Centre has been scrapped. There were plans to create a new cultural quarter with 120 new homes, a cinema, restaurant and health centre. But developers say Brexit 
uncertainty and the pandemic means it's no longer financially viable. And finally today, the work of teachers and support staff in the county has been recognised at a top awards ceremony. The Kent Teacher of the Year Awards were held in Ashford on Friday night, marking the huge contributions that staff make to our children's education. Well, for me, it was an absolute honour to co-host the awards again this year alongside Mike Ward, the chief exec of the Kent and Medway charity team. And I managed to catch up with the joint winners of the overall Head Teacher of the Year. My name is Catherine Duncan and I'm Head Teacher at Chantry Community Academy in Gravesend, which is part of the Skills for Life um, Multi-Academy Trust. I'm just absolutely proud and privileged um, to be recognised in this way. Um, But to be honest, I'm just the person here tonight. There is a massive team behind all of my colleagues at school. This is recognition of all the hard work that they have put into the school and also the multi-academy trust as well. That full sort of collaboration and support is immense. I'm just the person here tonight receiving the award. You've done a huge amount at the school. Can you tell us how you've turned things around? The school was rated inadequate sort of years ago and we've just created a culture of making sure that the children come first. They're at the heart of everything that we do. Um, It has been a challenging few years. We've been through a, a brand new build. So our school was knocked down, rebuilt, and then we went into that new build. Then COVID struck. So it's been a real challenge, but everybody's pulled together to make it the best for the children that we possibly can. And do you have particular challenges within the community that your school is based in? Um, The community, they're a fantastic community, um, very, very hardworking, but it is an area of disadvantage. And we do have a high percentage of um, children with English as an additional language. Um, Some schools shy away from that, but we find that it creates just a lovely, lovely place to be uh, with all the different children all coming together. It's just a lovely atmosphere in the school. Hello, I'm Renika Atwell and I'm the head teacher of Grange Park at school in Bruton. I'm really shocked but absolutely delighted because it's really nice to know the hard work of the school has been acknowledged. You know, I lead Grange Park School, but I'm supported by a phenomenal team of people, families, and the most amazing children. Tell us a bit about your school, the community, and the children that you look after. So Grange Park School is a special school for children with a diagnosis of autism. Uh, I have 157 children on roll, working across two schools and three college sites. All of my children have often had battles through their education and Grange Park becomes their home, their family and a place where they can be nurtured and developed to reach their absolute full potential. And what do you think this award is going to mean for the entire school, not just for yourself? I think they'll be really supportive um, and I think the children will be really proud. I'm so proud of the school. We won Team of the Year last year. We've had a really tough two years losing a member of staff but I know and my children will be proud of me as I'm proud of them every single day. I'm absolutely delighted to fly the flag for Grange Park today. A huge congratulations to all of the finalists and the overall winners. Do head to Kent Online to see who was recognised from schools where you live. Kent Online Sports. Football and a former Kent schoolboy has won the Italian league title with AC Milan. Fikeo Tomori used to go to Gravesend Grammar and ended his first full season with the Italian Giants by lifting the Serie A title with his team yesterday. The 24-year-old England international was born in Canada but brought up here in Kent before heading to Chelsea full-time as a 16-year-old. He signed permanently for AC Milan last summer in a deal worth £25 million. Elsewhere in sport, Gravesend boxer Chevon Clark has 
won two fights from two since turning professional. He beat Paul Martiniak with a third round stoppage at the O2. The 31-year-old cruiserweight could now be a potential opponent for YouTube star Jake Paul, saying if he wants to fight a real boxer, he'd be up for it. On to cricket and Kent have had to settle for a draw in their latest county championship match against Northamptonshire. On the positive side, there were big scores for Ben Compton, Zach Crawley and Daniel Beldrummond. Well, Kent will turn their attention to T20 when the blast campaign gets underway this week. They welcome Somerset to Canterbury on Wednesday. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu gets her French Open debut underway today. The 19-year-old is seeded 12th going into the Grand Slam. She's due to face 17-year-old Linda Noskova, who was last year's girls champion. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing. All you need to do is head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.